Most bankers aren't ready to help you until after their third cup of coffee. But with Central National Bank's after-hours service, you don't have to wait for the bank lobby to open to get help. You can contact us from 6 to 8.30 in the morning or from 5 to 10 in the evening, and we'll connect you to a real, live, local person who can answer questions and fix problems seven days a week. Bank different. Bank central. Central National Bank. Member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What's going on, everybody? This is Justin from Off Real Podcast, and we got another top five episode. My main man Clint is back with us, and we're gonna start it off like this: It's the top five songs of the '60s. Now that encompasses a lot. Uh, it mainly ended up just being um, soul and rock. However, there were some great uh, country songs released uh, in the '60s, like Willie Nelson's "Pretty Paper," which is uh, one of the best. Mm-hmm. Uh, Christmas songs ever. Uh, However, we stuck to mainly soul and rock music. And uh, with no further ado, I'll go ahead and go if that's cool with you, Clint. Dude, get on it. I cannot wait for this. Go. All right, man. At number five, I went with an essential uh, 60 song. I went with uh, Where Did Our Love Go by the Supremes. Nice, man. Nice. the song, uh, you know, it makes me smile. It's fun to listen to. It has a familiar rhythm and a simple beat. And everyone has wondered where the love went. Uh, when the Supremes were eventually given the song, the group members wasn't pleased at first, uh, with member Florence Bowler later stating that they wanted a stronger single similar to the Marvelettes' Please Mr. Postman. Although the group felt the song didn't have the hook to make it successful, they decided to try it, and the rest is history. Wow. Um, yeah, man. Number four, simple. I don't have a lot of speech about this. It's uh, I've been loving I, you too. Go ahead. Can I add on that real quick, dude? Yes. The Supremes choosing that song kind of changes the Supreme sound to what they became because, mm-hmm. like, Mr. Postman, like you were talking about, that's still really doo-wop. That's still real fifties. Mm-hmm. So them going with that and being unsure of it kind of changed music. Wow. Wow. Good one. No, it absolutely did. It uh, it definitely changed girl groups for sure. Uh, number four, I went with "I've Been Loving You Too Long" by Otis Redding. Um, just cause it's amazing. It's uh one of my favorite songs by one of my favorite singers. Uh, I love the record. I love the way it sounds. It's like uh, warm syrup, is how I would compare it. Um, number three, I went with uh, "Crimson and Clover." And uh, I wonder how this isn't one of the more popular songs of all time, from the riff that has been used endlessly to the fake crescendo, trembling auto-tune vocals, punk rock chorus screams, and the almost island-sounding guitar pluck with the Beatles riff and reverb. You can hear the inspiration for Steve Miller Band's The Joker at 342. You can party to this song, dance with your girl to this song, ride around on a back road, or ride through the city with the top down. It's so versatile and has many layers. It's my number three song of the '60s. Number two, Dude, you couldn't have, could not have surmised that better, bro. Like everything you were just saying, like in my head, I'm like, oh yeah, you're right. 
Right, right. The Joker. I've never been put together. Nicely done. Appreciate it, man. And uh, at number two, I'm going to tie it back into number five. I had this as my number two song before I had Where Did Our Love Go? But number two is Mr. Postman. Um, and the story behind this song is amazing. Uh, Georgia Dobbins, she uh, was a singer who got the uh, song from another guy named William Garrett. Uh, she left the group after they auditioned and uh, made Motown. Gordy renamed the group and hired Freddie Gorman, who happened to be a real-life postman, uh, to rework the song. But the best part of this song is that James Jamerson plays bass on this record. Mm -hmm. And do you know who plays drums? No. Marvin Gaye. No way. Are you serious? <laughs> uh, isn't that amazing? Oh, my God. I did not know that. But Marvin Gaye plays drums. I'm Mr. Postman. Yeah. And number one, um, I took, I didn't realize until I started reading the story of the song how much it tied into these times. Um, but I went with um, A Change Is Gonna Come by Sam Cooke as the number one song of the 60s to me. Uh, the story is amazing. Uh, Cook called ahead to the Holiday Inn North to make reservations for his wife, Barbara, for his wife and uh, himself. When he and his group arrived, the desk clerk glanced nervously and explained there were no vacancies. While his brother protested, Sam was furious, yelling to see the manager refusing to leave until he received an answer. His wife nudged him, attempting to calm him down, telling him, they're going to kill you. Upon hearing Bob Dylan's Blowing in the Wind in 1963, Cook was greatly moved that such a pointed song about racism in America could come from someone who was not black. And he was also ashamed he had not yet written one. And the rest is history. Um, he wrote about three instances, uh, one in Memphis, one in Shreveport, and one in Birmingham. And uh, kind of tied them all together to write um, a Change Is Gonna Come, which is my number one song of the 60s. I hope you guys uh, enjoyed that list, and I can't wait to hear yours, Clint. Um, I'm going to do, I'm going to kind of give you two here. One of them, I'm just going to put just straight Motown in. I've got five songs, um, and I'm doing this in, um, in memory of Scotty Clay. Um, Scotty and I were roommates at Baylor, and we lived at this place called The Village. And uh, every time it was party time, we were ready to invite everybody over. And the way the village was, all of the uh, back doors were sliding doors. And, um, you know, we'd swing ours wide open and put the speakers outside and just blare Motown. And that's how everybody in the complex knew what time it was. Um, and for some reason in the world, between 2000, what? four and 2006 that we lived together um motown was like the official party music of a certain group of baylor people so um i kind of to be honest with you um all of these songs here that i'm putting were like the five top playlist songs um it always started out with tears of a clown by Smokey robinson that big brash horn coming in and like everybody knew what time it was um supreme's you keep me hanging on is what we did with that. Um, usually by the time number three came up, it was ain't too proud to beg and literally the whole place would be there. And somebody would just walk in going, I know you wanna leave me. Like, yeah. um, pretty awesome. Uh, ain't no mountain, um, the Marvin Gaye version. Um, 
And then I'm going to pause on this one right here because this is my favorite song of all time, guys. Uh, I Was Made a Lover by Stevie Wonder. Um, James Jamerson, again, best bass line ever. Um, so Stevie had written four measures of music and Jamerson heard it and then went off and did his own thing. And they hadn't even finished the rest of the song yet. That's why the timing is so weird in that song. Mm -hmm. It's because it was built backwards. Um, other cool fact about that song. Listen to how soulful Stevie sounds. He is 15 when he recorded that. Um, he amazing. wrote that song based on letters between his parents during the Great Depression because he was from Arkansas and his dad moved out to California uh, to try and find work to ship money back. So I Would Need a Lover is actually about his dad and mom right there. I did not know that until today. Mm. But um, anyway, um, again, uh, that's all for Scotty right there. We'll get on to, uh, to my list. I'm going to go all rock on this, though. Um, and man, I had a lot of fun with this. Um, what I'm actually going to give you on these five songs is um, five songs that I feel not only are probably my favorites, but also help change music. Um, number five, I'm going to go with Good Loving by the Young Rascals. Um, that song... Um, was kind of a post-British invasion um, rock song that was, you know, not just surf rock or anything anymore. We were starting to have a direction that went mm -hmm. out to folk and all this other stuff. And uh, Good Lovin' is one of the very first songs that really took on like that. Um, second, Red Rubber Ball um, by The Circle. Um, love this song. Here's a cool story about it. So Paul Simon wrote this song. And he was wanting to break up Simon and Garfunkel at the time. So he decided to give it to the circle who were in the studio at the time instead of recording it with him and Art because he was trying to go on his own career. Mm. Um, pretty crazy, right? Um, number three, All Along the Watchtower uh, by Jimi Hendrix, originally by Bob Dylan. But Hendrix heard it, sped it up, put in some distortion, and music's never been the same. Um, nah. I actually was sharing some stuff with Justin earlier, just how much the Red Hot Chili Peppers borrowed their sound from Hendrix. It's unbelievable, actually. Um, that song, uh, there's a whole lot of history on it. Everybody's covered it, but nobody ever did it like Jimmy. And um, you can hear the roots of Van Halen, uh, Guns N' Roses, uh, everybody from that song mm -hmm. right there. Um, number two, Good Vibrations um, by the Beach Boys. Um, so this is Brian Wilson's last song in his right mind um, that he recorded. Um, some cool facts about Good Vibrations. Uh, there are four distinct changes in that song. If you have not heard it in a while or think you know it, go back and listen to it again. It is not what you think it is. That song is incredibly complex. There is nothing simple about it. Um, he recorded 70 hours of tape for that one three-minute song. That's how much he went through and layered on top of it. He did not let any of the Beach Boys actually perform with the instruments in the studio. He decided to do it all on him his own. The Beach Boys were actually out touring when he wrote and recorded this song. Um, he uh, was on all kinds of drugs. Uh, the lyrics um, were actually what he thought um, walking into San Francisco on an acid trip was like. Um, seeing a girl and everything else. Um, 
but that song is amazing and it is the pinnacle of the Beach Boys and also the end of it. A lot of people don't realize that Beach Boys died after that song. Um, is, I mean, they toured, but that is that your favorite Beach Boys song? Um, I mean, it's either that or like um, Sloop John B or God Only Knows. Mm. So all three of those are good. Um, my number one favorite song um, is I'm Looking Through You by the Beatles off of Rubber Soul. Um, Rubber Soul, which was the answer to Pet Sounds. Um, the thing I love about I'm Looking Through You is it's just it's a fun song. It puts you in a good mood, like uh, really steps in with that noisy guitar and just starts going. But little enough fact, Ringo Starr was actually God knows where when they recorded that song. So there is not one drum on that song. It's all a tambourine, which you can hear Paul McCartney drop at one point. Oh, and, wow. um, and then George slamming on a chair and then them beating on their guitars because Ringo was MIA the day they recorded that song. Wow. So, I, I was close to putting a Beatles song on there. In my top 10, I probably would have had um, Happiness is a Warm Gun mm -hmm. from, uh, yeah, the White Album. I believe that was late. 69, I'm sure. Yeah, it may have been right around the uh, threshold. But uh, that's a solid list. The first off, uh, the Motown list, uh, Memory of Scotty was amazing. Um, all those songs are great. I love the Supremes choice. Um, rock the Supremes, songs. I, you know, I usually tend to go with male artists. I don't know why. Uh, but, like, the Supremes are the Michael Jordan of Motown. I'm just mm -hmm. laying that out there. Yeah, no, and see, I'm the opposite. I usually, I like female artists. Um, I guess prior to, maybe the last good to me female artist was like the Lilith Fair. Um, grew, I was really into, you know, McLaughlin, Etheridge, Jewel. Um, oh, yeah. You know, that, but um, I think you can make an all list. The first album was awesome. It was amazing. Do you actually, do you know her very first album was a rap album? I did not know that. She was 17 and she put it out with some Canadian um, producers and it was a rap album. Really? Yeah, man. And then she huh. met, uh, she, yeah, she started dating the guy from Full House. He broke up with her and she yeah. wrote some really good songs. <laughs> Cut it out. Are you serious? <laughs> As, I, I've only been able to find one song and uh, she is rapping and it's pretty funny. Um, Probably ahead of his time, actually. But yeah, it, it reminds me. Who was the girl from Australia? Um, I didn't care for her at all, but she had Jewel? some. No, it was a rapper girl, the white oh, rapper. The, rapper the white rapper. Uh, from she Australia. dated the Laker. Oh, is it Azalea or whatever? Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, along those lines, probably like fifteen or twenty years before her. Oh wow! No. So. Wow, gave birth to a genre of music that we both hate that early. Garage. Um, dude, I love that you put in a couple songs that have such, um, you know, social significance because there's so much of it in the '60s. You know, it's a civil yeah. rights movement. It's and it's a terrible time for race in America. Like, um, like it really is. Not that it really has ever been a good time, but like you know, um. But the 60s really gave us, um, it gave every culture um, 
kind of a chance to shine and be their own people and start catching on with um, the quote kids. Um, I mean, Richie Valens, you know, for yeah, example. Great example. Um, so, I mean, like it, it, the Big Bopper, I mean, that's a tragic plane crash that we could probably do an episode on at some point where the Big Bopper and Richie Valens and um, who else goes down in that? Janice Joplin or somebody like that? No, no it, it was a Buddy Holly, Richie Valens, Buddy Holly. and Big Bopper. Yeah, he traded his but, seat with um, Waylon Jennings. That's right. There it is right there. Look at you, man. See, that's why I have to come to you for this stuff. <laughs> if y'all want to know what the notes are doing, ask me. But the stories, man, this guy over here. Um, I. Uh, but it's just such a great time. And the thing that I love about most lists, I'm so glad you brought up Sam Cupid or uh, Sam Cook. And I think where my head was, Cupid is like my favorite Sam Cook song. Um, and Otis Redding, um, those guys just had voices. I mean, I don't even know how else to describe it. Like, you can put on a Sam Cooke album. I actually have um, a vinyl of his, and you can put it on, and it will literally calm the entire house down every single time. Have you ever heard the, the uh, music they're making back then? Was... Oh, sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you, but when you said uh, you brought no, up no, Sam. Fine. Have you heard the story of uh, Sam Cooke and Bobby Womack? No. <laughs> okay. Bobby Womack and Sam Cooke are friends. And I hope I don't have this backwards. It was told when I was real young. It's a great, amazing story. Sam Cooke and Bobby Womack are friends. Uh, Sam Cooke is married. Bobby Womack takes his wife. Sam Cooke dies. He shows up to Sam Cooke's funeral with his wife and in his suit. And they, he wrote the song called, I Wish You Didn't Trust Me So Much. He says, you could tr trust me with your life, but you could not trust me with your wife. With your wife. Oh, wow. I wish you that didn't trust me now. so much. Oh my gosh, dude, that's, you know, what's really crazy. Okay, talk about Six Degrees of Kevin Bacon here. Um, the band that found their start, or the group rather, under Sam Cooke that he went out and discovered was um, Lou Rawls, a group right? at the time. Mm, I'm gonna I'm gonna hit you with this one. I'm okay. sure he found a bunch, but like um, their uh, their biggest song at that point was this old heart of mine. I'm talking about the Isley Brothers, who released a song. I'm just now thinking about it. The song Contagious, which is the answer to Down Low, which goes back to this song right here that you're talking about. Oh wow, that's cream right there. That's great stuff, and all, all of all great songs. I um, okay. Can let me ask you. Um, I don't know. How do you feel about listening to R. Kelly music? Um, the same way that I feel about looking at a Van Gogh or listening to Michael Jackson. I guess like um, R. Kelly has Twelve Play, which is a phenomenal album. Um, he has a handful of other singles that were pretty good, um, but they all dated. I think I Wish is his most timeless song. I think that's off of a TPK. And that's a very um, underestimated song. But it is, it is. I mean, that's an amazing song and it's my favorite um, R. Kelly song. But uh, um, ooh, I, I got to be honest with you. Number one with Carrie Hilson also has a special place in my heart. Um, but uh, the thing about 
although it is a little creepy when you think about who he's actually singing that song to. But yeah. um, the thing is, is that uh, R. Kelly was an amazing talent. Um, and he's sick in the head and he was enabled for years. Um, you know, people talk about these people are monsters and by all means, like if it was, you know, my daughter is whatever. I mean, yeah, he's a monster. I'd kill him for sure. But at the same time, there is something wrong in the brain of a 40, 50 year old man who's going after 15 and 16 year old women. Um, there's a lot just wrong there. Um, and I mean, I don't know why, I don't know what his deal is. Uh, his relationship with Aaliyah, it was, I mean, if you want to talk about weird, when he married Aaliyah, we all knew how old she was and nobody said anything. No, but they printed, a big... they had the marriage license in Vibe magazine. Yeah, but like, it was just like, eh, whatever. People are weird. It's Hollywood. I mean, it's not like that anymore. Yeah, and I, well, the craziest thing about that story is her, uh, her mom and her uncle, and everyone being involved with it, kind of allowing R. Kelly to have her as long as he made records for them. That mm -hmm. trade-off that people allude to—it's pretty disturbing. Who, um, who was R. Kelly's producer mainly? Like, who was writing no, that stuff? He he wrote everything, man. He wrote and produced. Check this out. He doesn't, he has a fifth grade education. He can't read a book and he can't do basic arithmetic, which is partly what they blame him like in younger girls for. They said he doesn't have the uh, conversation mm -hmm. skills. He's on that level. Um, and he never he's, mentally passed he, it. Like he's, he he's mentally 13, 14. Yeah. But musically, he's a genius. He writes and produces everything, which is why in his production, you can obviously tell like from the drip drops and the different things, there's a lot of similarities. Um, but to think that he wrote every one of those songs, not only that, he wrote Celine Dion, I'm Your Angel. He wrote, I mean, I Believe I Can Fly. He wrote, um, there's another big one he wrote. It's good. Oh, he wrote Navia's Laundry Mat. Um, I mean, you could go for days, but uh, yeah, yeah, he's, he's a genius. And it's a hard thing to put together how someone that literally can't read or write wrote some of the best music of the century. It's, it's hard to believe that somebody that was a child in like the 70s and 80s got a, out without learning how to read and write. Like, that's crazy. Yeah, he was very, uh, wow. he, he grew up with a lot of brothers, very poor, south side of Chicago. Yeah, yeah. I had no idea that he was like writing all that stuff. Man. Yeah, there was, uh, there's a vibe story that came out in the early 2000s that everyone should read. It's before a lot of the allegations, so it more focuses on his upbringing and his relationship with his mom. Um, and it kind of hints at a lot of things that's to come. Yeah. Huh. Oh, man, we, we got to put a link in the uh, in the comments below. I will, like absolutely. It's, a, it's um, a great story. Man, that's crazy, dude. I had no idea. But like when you think about it, I mean, think about the rest of that era. So you're dealing with R. Kelly, Brian McKnight, um, Seal, um, Joe. Um, who else? Would have been I mean, the soul there you would have had you would have had Teddy Riley. You had Babyface, Key Teddy, Sweat. Okay. Babyface, Key Sweat. Um, of everybody listed, R. Kelly is the most talented of all of them with Babyface maybe being close. I, I was going to say, yeah, 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 yeah. 
Babyface, he's wrote. I mean, he's amazing. He wrote a lot of stuff. Yeah, you yeah. know who's really underrated and underappreciated is Neo, dude. He writes everything. Like, you go find a song from, like, a good 10-year window there, man. He was writing yeah, it. That's true. That's true. Um, I like him. I think he's great. But I always felt like I had to choose between him and the dream. And I really like the dream. Okay. I can say so, that. Maybe that's why I like I've never... I liked Neo. There was this girl I dated um, when right around the time that his self-titled album came out, and we worked at this. Uh, we worked at George's together um, in Waco, and like she liked that album. So like I would walk in and out of the expo room all the time, like singing songs from that album to her. Um, one of these days, I'll tell the story of how I won that one over. It's like the most impressive story. It didn't last. I mean, it's me we're talking about really last, but like, <laughs> um, we, um, that's a funny story, but Neo makes me think of that um, for sure. Um, dude, that's crazy. I'm still, my mind is still blown that R. Kelly wrote all that. I'm trying to find anybody else in my brain that's. You find like that. even Michael. No, I don't believe there's a song on his albums that he has not. I've owned every R. Kelly album. I definitely looked at the credits every at least one time, every song, and I've never seen his Robert Kelly, R. Kelly, not on a song. Huh. And I'm trying to think, he wrote some really impressive stuff for artists outside the genre as well. Um, but yeah. Dude, if you want to hear R. Kelly's influence today in music, go listen to uh, Guy. the song. Go, so, go listen to the song Confirmation on Beaver's recent album. Um, it's called Confirmation. It's on the Changes album. Go listen to that song and tell me that it's not an R. Kelly song. Like, That's interesting. Crazy. Definitely. Oh, man. Well, I think that more people should, everyone should go read more about the Bobby Womack and Sam Cooke story, because that is the most amazing story. How do you take a man's wife, he dies, and you wear his suit and take his wife to his funeral? That's the coldest uh, thing I've ever heard in my life. Seriously, dude. Like, um, he took that bros before hosting to like a whole new level. And then um, made a song, said he shouldn't have trusted me so much. Man, I've, I've always been against the bros before host. Thing because like honestly are your bros be sponge bathing you when you're 80 mm, probably not you know, it's situational like, but most most females won't either so uh you got to kind of it's a roll of the <laughs> dice there bro it's a roll right, of the dice right. um i'll tell you what man i've got some great um i completely sidestepped uh my brian wilson beach boy story because i know that justin and i will probably have a beatle beach boys mashup here soon um but uh, man, this music stuff's been great. I'm having the time of my life doing this. I hope you guys are enjoying listening to it. Um, again, um, I would plug that you go back and listen to the rest of what he has recorded. If you want your heartstrings pulled out, go listen to the one with him and Ella. If you want um, history and facts, man, just, just go, just dive into this stuff. Um, you know, when you listen to the two of us, you're getting like um, somebody who's like, thinks they know way too much about music and don't. Um, talking all this noise and then like somebody actually trying to inject facts and history into it. So like, um, 
take me away and just have all that facts and history and you'll find out some amazing stuff. Um, I uh, really want to thank everybody um, for continuing on. And I really want to thank Justin too. Um, you know, went from a one guest appearance to now like, uh, you know, a couple times a week. And I know that um, he and I collaborated on some stuff today that will be outside of music that might be really big that I am really excited about. Um, so yeah, that's it for me, guys. Well, man, you uh, I can't end it no better than that. So um, we covered a lot of stuff. There's a lot of lot of uh, information to digest on this episode. So we'll uh, we'll cut it short there. And um, you guys need to chill. Remember to have a positive mentality because a positive mentality is kinetic. And just chill to the next episode. Take care. Bro.